Hey everyone, it's Scott here again, Scott Forrester, host of the Aware Athlete Show. And this summer, I just finished hiking 320 miles on the Pacific Crest Trail, a new experience for me. I hiked 100 miles from Castella, California to Etna, California in June and returned to the trail to hike 220 miles from Etna Summit to Crater Lake, Oregon in July. And uh, so I wanted to share that experience with you. And what are some of the things that were highlights or that you can learn from doing something new like this, especially from being out in nature that long? Well, the first thing that you can learn, of course, is the importance of family, because as soon as you step onto the trail, you realize that they've helped make this possible for you. Uh, my wife got up at three in the morning. We left the house at four in the morning, drove to the trailhead, made a long day for her. And uh, of course, then she happens to worry about me while I'm out there. I miss my dog and my son. So those things are on your mind the whole time you're out there. And what if you walked all these miles and had nothing to come home to? So it's a big deal, family. And when you come home, I've tried to be a little bit more mindful of using the time that you have with your family in a way to connect with them and not take them for granted. So family is the first big thing. Thank you, Leanne, for taking the time to take me out here and allowing me to have this adventure while you stayed home and worried. And uh, actually, I think you grew through that, too. So we've got some pictures here of some various trail conditions, and you can see some of them are very uh, rocky. Lots of uphill climbing in some of them. Some of them are a little twisted. You really notice the uphills. And some of the trails are quite smooth for a ways. There are other obstacles, fallen trees to climb over, um, larger rocks where you have to find your footing, steep downhills, a lot of different things. So anything that happens on the trail can generally give you uh, something to think about that uh, applies to more than the trail. So you have to, anything worthwhile, it seems, takes work. And while you can dream about something, actually doing the work to make it real is awesome because that's what makes it real. And you create these Memories that can last a lifetime and new learning experiences because I have been, I've done section hikes before, but maybe they've been at the most 50 miles or so. And so you go 100, 200, 220 miles. It's a completely different experience that has to be more sustainable and you have to learn how to do that. So first of all, um, Embracing 
the path that you have right now, the uh, obstacles and the reality of what you have right now, um, that's something you have to do every day. And there are other things that, uh, that you learn while you're out there. First of all, uh, the miles that you're going to make in a day, and you do have to make miles when you're doing a long section hike or if you are a through hiker because you have to get to the next water source. Uh, you find out pretty quickly you don't do so well with water without water, and you do quite well with water. And water is even more important than food. So, And most of the, the Pacific Crest Trail is a trail that is built on the crest of ridges. And therefore, you're on an angle a lot of times, a, a slope, and you can't sleep everywhere. So uh, designated campsites are on flatter ground that arises periodically. And so you have to make those miles to get to a campsite. And uh, you have to make those miles to even complete your section hike or to resupply with food or to, if you were a thru-hiker, to thru-hike the entire trail in one season requires a certain amount of miles per week, say. So it's a completely different experience than... Uh, being out on a shorter hike, you have to make it much more sustainable. So really, uh, the number of miles that you are going to accomplish in a day is the number of miles that the trail gives you, that the day gives you. If you are doing mostly climbing for even almost 5,000 feet of climbing, and the trail is very, very rocky, and it has uh, large step-ups, and you're doing that all day in the heat, you're not going to make the miles that you might make if the trail were gentler. So it's really that nature calls the shots. And day by day, uh, each day in our life calls the shots. And uh, that's so plain when you're on the trail. And what I, I, I consider long mile days on a smooth trail a gift. The trail gives you a gift of those miles. So I think of myself sometimes as letting the trail take me for a walk rather than me determining what I'm going to do. Uh, and you're able to access what you really can do more when you have that kind of an attitude. You let the trail take you for a walk and you use the ability and the present fitness and uh, and what you've developed over your lifetime by letting the trail take you for a walk. So you let the you let the trail give and take. So in terms of self care, after I walked uh, my first hundred miles in June, and I got off the trail because I was a little fearful of more uh, dangerous snowbanks which uh, were still uh, present on the next section. But after that experience, I had depleted myself quite a bit in terms of food. And I started out with, uh, with the idea that uh, the minimum amount of miles that a thru-hiker could do uh, 
in order to do the whole trail in one season was about 15 on average. So uh, that's what I attempted to do to give myself that experience. And I walked 15, 15, 15, and 15. And then it was a little harder. I gave myself some easier days. But uh, I was trying to impose a certain uh, certain thing on the trail. And later on, by learning how to take care of myself and learning what the rhythms are, I was able to do more than that, more easily than that. So after that first experience, I know that even subconsciously or consciously, I was a little worried uh, after depleting myself that much. And my next approach was to actually schedule my eating. And I would have try to have a little bit of breakfast, either, you know, as I walked, as I began to walk or after the first few minutes or whatever. And then I would eat six bars during the day, stopping basically every hour to have a drink and a, and a snack. And that worked uh, much better. But along uh, towards the end of my hike, I began to be able to use my structure a little bit better. And uh, I was able to handle the hills slightly better, even though they were difficult for me. You cannot match the fitness of a thru-hiker because they've been hiking for months. They may have hiked already 1,500 miles, 1,800 miles. So you can't really match that. Your body hasn't had that uh, time to adapt. But I was getting better, I could tell. Even though you get up and do the same thing each day, my body was learning how to do it a little bit. And I was uh, consciously aware of being able to use my structure better. But also I discovered something else. You start out taking a break every hour and eating and drinking, and that's good because now you're taking uh, care of your nutrition. And by the way, drinking and, and keeping up on your electrolytes in uh, warm weather is very important. And I've known for a while and definitely proved on this hike that uh, being low on water, being anywhere near dehydrated, will weaken you much faster than a lack of food. But they're both important because a lack of food will weaken you over the days. So you want to keep up on both, but especially your water and electrolytes. Um, but again, I, I can't overemphasize both of those. So as I proceeded, things got a little bit easier. They were still hard going up the hills, but the miles were coming easier. And the trails in Oregon are more mild than the ones in Northern California, too. But also, I, I noticed that if you would carry that out to the early afternoon, one break an hour, and then in the hotter part of the day, if you would take a one and a half to two hour break, eat much more, settle down, and let the day wind down a little bit, and the sun wind down a little bit, that it was quite easy to hike more miles in, in the evening uh, and still get into camp early enough to take care of everything. Uh, including hopefully washing your feet, uh, brushing your teeth, setting up your shelter, uh, you know, getting everything secure and ready, uh, dealing properly with your food storage. So that break, now that was, uh, that was an added thing. It got added to my plan. 
And that was uh, that afternoon break that's uh, much longer than the 5, 10, 15, or 20-minute breaks if you had to filter water. So really got into a rhythm of taking much better care of myself. And as we moved along, uh, the miles got easier. Easier to easier to hike from there here to there. I also broke up my resupply into shorter sections when it was possible and got a, a nice meal uh, three times actually at uh, Callahan's just inside Oregon, Callahan's Lodge, at uh, the Hyatt Lake Resort, which was an ex- interesting experience because you get to Hyatt Lake Road on the PCT where you cross, give them a call and they'll have you in and out, uh, give you a ride, a ride to the restaurant. <laughs> and Actually, it's more of a cafe. You get something good to eat, resupply, and you're back out on the trail in an hour. So that was pretty awesome. But I took advantage of those things, even though I never slept in a motel at those three places outside the whole time. Those little breaks uh, really make uh, this whole thing much more sustainable. So, and at Fish Lake, I also stopped there for about five hours and gave myself a shorter day, but it actually was uh, still 12, 12, 14 miles, something like that. So, even with that big rest. So rest is important. Being out of your comfort zone. Simply uh, being willing to explore and uh, be involved in something. And so, actually, I, uh, another thought I had while I was out there is that this exploration, it's cool. It's great. A wonderful experience being out on the PCT for over 300 miles. Uh, brand new life experience at 71. And I'd love to get back out there again. Um, but also, when you come home, there are an infinite number of things that we can do and explore and learn. So that idea of being out of your comfort zone, exploring something new, is not just on the trail. And uh, so we can bring that attitude home day by day. So these are some pictures of Callahan's Lodge and then me having a meal at, I believe, uh, either Hyatt Lake Resort or uh, Fish Lake Resort. And uh, so I'm enjoying that very much. I don't know if you can tell. So... Next, uh, this is the pump and the cabin at South Brown Mountain Shelter. And this is the only water stop on the way to uh, uh, Fish Lake. So I talked about how important water is. And without this water stop, I am not sure that I, I couldn't have hiked through here. So it's, uh, everybody stops here. And you can get as much uh, fresh water as you want. You pump it yourself. Use a little muscle because the pump has a long lever there. Takes a little bit of work. And it's glorious to have your water stores resupplied. 
and a nice looking cabin, uh, very well built. So uh, some of the people I hiked with stayed there that night and they actually had to scare off a bear. And since I was uh, cowboy camping, I was kind of glad that I uh, missed that experience. <laughs> so. so both in Northern California and in Oregon, I walked through massive burn areas. Here's a photo that makes this very, very stark. In some places there was only sand left around the burred and charred remains of uh, trees. And so this is not just a bleak spot with no vistas that might be boring because it gets described that way sometimes. You know, you could night hike this because you don't, you're not going to see anything anyway. But actually these, uh, these remains of trees, they speak to us and they're painting a picture here. And these, these fires do a lot of damage and we have to ponder, you know, what's our part in this. And how can we, how can we make these things better? Because, uh, these burn areas go on for miles and miles and large areas of forest have been destroyed. And this year we're having a, oh, an early fire season. It, uh, we're just having fires everywhere. Northern California, Oregon, we're surrounded by them right, right now. Our usual pristine air quality is very bad and the fire season is predicted to par possibly last uh, even longer than normal this year so southern california northern california oregon washington montana uh, just all over the west we uh, we have these fires and we have to ask ourselves uh, what can we do about it that's kind of a heavy question. But uh, in some areas, the forest are making recovery. In other areas, they may not, or they may take a very long time because there's really nothing left. So anyway, uh, it's more than just a boring segment of, of a forest. I think it it has a question to ask us. So this next slide has a picture of a PCT sign or marker. And if you'll notice, it has, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, it has a mountain bike. It has a picture of a mountain and a bike. Very, cl very clear what it means with a line through it, which means that mountain bikes are forbidden to be ridden, uh, ridden. It's illegal to ride them in any part of the Pacific Crest trail. And uh, the reason I photographed that is because I was almost killed by three mountain bikers. I was taking a break just barely off to the side of the trail so that somebody could walk by me. And I was near a blind corner. All, all of a sudden, three mountain bikers came whooshing by and just flying around that corner. And had I been standing up, there would have been no way to avoid a terrible collision and uh, maybe involving three, you know, the first bike, the second, and the third. And we both would have been hurt very badly, maybe thrown off the trail. Uh, I don't remember how steep it was there, but it would have been a terrible thing. So 
I ended up taking a picture of that sign. And then uh, finally, when the hike, when I concluded my hike at Crater Lake, if you haven't been to Crater Lake National Park, the photo doesn't do this justice. You'll never forget the color of the uh, water there. It's just this beautiful deep blue that is uh, perhaps the deepest fresh water lake in the U.S., if I have that right. It's about 1,900 feet deep. It's just an amazing, amazing national park. And we were granted a spectacular uh, clear day for that day with good air quality. And uh, about the last day like that we've had since I've been home and, uh, in about a week and a half. So wonderful day because earlier I had been trapped uh, the second to last night on the trail in a cloud of smoke with ash falling. And I had wrapped a t-shirt around my face. Excuse me, it was a long sleeve t-shirt, so I tied it behind my neck and tried to keep myself from at least breathing the ash. So, beautiful day to conclude the hike. And in summary, love your family. And then realize every day that the day brings what it brings and nature calls the shots. There's so much that we can learn about taking care of ourselves and and living in a uh, in a an adventurous but sustaining self-sustaining way, sustainable way, and uh, stepping outside our country, uh, comfort zone to learn new things. That's that's the purpose to and to experience new things and to enjoy life. That's why we get out of our comfort zone, not just to be uncomfortable. So. Anyway, all these things kind of carry over. Wonderful experience. I urge everyone to get out in nature for more than a weekend, more than a week, more than two weeks, whatever you can. It, it's, uh, it'll be a life-changing experience. It's a beautiful thing, and you'll learn so much about the world around you and about yourself. So thanks for going on this journey with me.